Precious Heavenly Father, tonight far be it from me to ask of you anything. Lord, I simply want to give you myself. We want to give you this time. And we want to ask that you would simply do with it what you want to, Lord. That your will would be done in this tent tonight. In your precious name we pray. Amen. She was a little girl. Growing up in a conservative religious home. She had a brother and a sister. Seemed like the perfect family. One evening her parents were entertaining at their home and family members and friends were there. And this little girl found herself abused by her uncle. She grew up with this and what made it especially difficult is because not only was she in a Bible-believing home, but her uncle was a pastor. She grew up into the teenage years and things didn't work out too good for her. And her story at first doesn't turn out the way we'd hope. She got into trouble in high school. And then after high school, she didn't make it into college. She found herself on the streets of a city near the town she grew up in. And this young girl fell into a, a life of prostitution. Her heart was broken. And she found herself one day in the presence of a man. A man like she'd never met before. She was experiencing love for the first time in her life like she'd never experienced before. It was almost as if this man could have cared less about the mistakes she had made in her past and what she had become. This man genuinely loved her for who she was. And he wanted to help her. This lady had become so degraded. She even struggled with demon possession at times. But the scriptures teach that this man who met her had delivered her seven times. She found herself so moved by the love of her encounter with Jesus himself. She wanted to do something to say thank you. You see, Jesus had said that he was about to die. And she didn't want to wait to give him his roses at his burial. She wanted to do something special for him now. She didn't know what to do. She scrounged up all the money she had. It was about a year's worth of wages. A year's salary. And she went down to what you and I would call Nordstrom's or Macy's or... What's one of the other ones? Dillard's? Saks? Yeah, 
It would have to be sex. And she spent that year's worth of wages on one bottle of perfume. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine spending that much money on a bottle of perfume? She didn't know why she was doing it. She decided she was going to wash Jesus' feet with this ointment. But there was a problem. You see, the next time she would see Jesus was at the same uncle's house who had abused her. It was Uncle Simon, the Pharisee. And she wrestled with that. She didn't know what to do with it. But her love for Jesus overcame her discomfort with Simon. And she decided she would sneak in discreetly. She didn't think it out too well. But she decided she would sneak in discreetly, anoint his feet, wash his feet, anoint his head, and then slip out before anybody notices. And she gets in there and as she's fumbling, she decides, oh, this just isn't enough. And so trying to be discreet, she takes this little alabaster box of all she has. It is the sum of her life. And she breaks it over the head of Jesus. Now notice, she does not want herself to be noticed. But have you ever smelt the smell of really nice perfume? Anyone here? Anybody? Just a few? You should try it, the rest of you. Can you imagine what perfume would smell like if it cost that much money? Can you imagine how, much, how, how good that perfume has to smell? She's wanting to be discreet, but as the, the scent fills the room, all of a sudden the room goes silent. And everybody's trying to figure out where is that smell coming from. And then finally, everyone's eyes are fixed upon Jesus and all that they see in this woman. To, her, to them, she is just a prostitute. But to Jesus, she is so valuable. She is so precious that He would go to the cross even if it was just for her. And people begin to whisper, Peter, Peter had his own struggles, amen? Anybody feel encouragement from Peter's struggles? Peter had his own struggles and Mary was scared of Peter initially. He saw in, she saw in Peter's eyes that day a look she had seen too often in the eyes of men. And then Judas... Judas wasn't so discreet. Judas just said what he was thinking out loud. What a waste! Doesn't this woman pay attention to what he's been teaching us? This 
alabaster box. Do you know how much money you have just poured out? This should have been sold. And the money given to the, do you remember the story? To the poor. And I love Jesus' response because isn't it good to do things for the poor? Is that a good thing? But Jesus looks at the gift of this woman. This is the sum of her life spent on him. And he said, the poor you will always have with you. She has done for me what she could. And I look at the heart of a prostitute and my self-righteous religiosity. And I say, why can't what was happening in her heart for Jesus happen in mine? And all of a sudden I'm aspiring to be just like her. Have you ever felt that with the story of Mary before? How many would like... To feel in your heart what Mary felt in hers towards Jesus. He said, what this woman has done is precious to me. The Greek word actually means precious. There was tenderness in this word that Jesus used. It is precious to me. And then Simon. Of all people, Simon. Uncle Simon. He doesn't say it out loud. He just thinks this to himself. He thinks, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of a woman this is. And he wouldn't let her touch him because she's a sinner. Now, did he say that out loud? But was he thinking that in his heart? And I wish I could have been there in that room that day because Jesus looked straight at Simon. Now, had he said it out loud? Simon had said this in the quietness of his own thoughts. And Jesus looks straight into his eyes and says, Simon, I have something to say about that. Can you imagine? Did I say that out loud? He says, Simon, there were two debtors, one owed 50 and one owed 500. And when they had nothing with which to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, Simon, which one? will love the creditor more. Which one would it be? What did Simon answer? The one who owed 500. Now in the story, be careful. Who was the one who owed 50? Mary. Who was the one who owed 500? But Jesus was trying to teach Simon that he had forgiven how many? Them both. And that's a forgiveness that I have yet to understand. And I'm just being honest. Can I be? But he was reaching to save the violator and the violated at the very same time. And that is an incredible love. Amen. Whether tonight you find yourself a Mary or a Simon, God loves you and he is trying to save you. Amen. And then when it quiets down... Mary just, she's had too much attention drawn to her. She just wants to get away. And Jesus says once again, what this woman has done is a good thing for she. He gives a reason to her senseless act that he, she herself didn't even know why she was doing it. She gives the re, he gives the reason. He says, she has anointed my body for burial. Can you imagine Jesus saying that about you? 
And then he looks at this woman with a look that words cannot express. As he looks deep into her eyes, he looks into her heart. And he says, wherever the story of my life is told, tell what this woman has also done for me. Can you imagine Jesus saying that of you? And I've wrestled with that. Why did Jesus single out this woman who was a prostitute? Why did Jesus single her out? And I think the answer to that... He said of Mary things He has not said of anyone else. Why her? The answer to that is found in the very closing words He said to Mary. You'll find it in your outline tonight. He looked at her and He said to the woman, Your... What did He say? Your what? Your what? Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus never gave a dissertation on what faith is. He never explained faith in words. He gave us a picture of what faith is. And a picture speaks louder than words. He looked at what was transpiring in the heart of Mary. In the what? In the what? In the heart of Mary. And he said, that right there is faith. And do not settle for anything less. How many would like to experience that kind of faith? Now that's faith of a different nature. Are you sensing that this evening? This is more than just mental assent to a list of rules and beliefs. Are you with me? Please don't get me wrong. Are the rules important? Are the doctrines that we hold important? Yes, but I want to be really clear here. Follow with me in the Scriptures tonight. In Romans 10, verse 10, it says, For with the... What does it say? With the what? With the heart, a person does what? Notice it follows, it says, and with the mouth, he what? Now we all know that when we confess, what part of us are we using? It's our mouth. That's obvious, is it not? But Jesus said, the mouth is to confession what the heart is to faith. Isn't that an interesting verse? Faith is more than what just transpires up here. Amen? Mary didn't understand it all up here, did she? She didn't know why she was doing what she was doing, but she was experiencing something here, was she not? She was experiencing something on a heart level in response to the lover of her soul, the first true lover she had ever met. She had fallen in love with Jesus, for she had discovered for the first time true love. And Jesus said, that's faith. Why? Because it's with the heart that a person what? Believes. Notice what Jesus said in Luke 24, verse 25. It's not just in one verse. It's all over the Scriptures. He said, oh foolish men and slow of what? To do what? Look at Acts 8, 37. It says, and Philip said, this is to the Ethiopian, if you believe with all your what? What is it that the Bible says we believe with? I don't know about you, and I don't, don't misunderstand me. The intellect is vital. It needs to be engaged. Amen? But God is not content with you only experiencing a dry, formal, 
primarily, singularly, intellectual experience with Him. Now, does He want your intellect involved? Yes. Must it be plugged in? Must it make sense? Yes, but it has to go beyond knowledge. Isn't that what the Bible says? And what is beyond knowledge? It goes beyond knowledge and touches the what? The heart. That's what God wants for you. And that's what He wants for you this week. Did you hear me? He wants to take you more deeply into a heart level encounter with Him this week than you have ever been before. Are you willing to let Him? has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with you. It's all about who? It's all about Him. He wants to do that for you. You see, He wants what happened in Mary to happen in every single one of you. That's why I think He singled her out. Just as He was a demonstration of what God felt towards us. Amen? How many understand that? He singles out Mary and says, that is a living demonstration of what I want to do in you. Of what He wants to be in our heart towards Him. I don't know about you, but that's, that's religion worth experiencing, amen? That's exciting. That's more than even relationship, isn't it? I mean, I got all kinds of relationships. This is intimacy with the God of the universe. And that word I know scares some of you because statistically speaking, I know there are Marys in the room tonight. But if He could do it for her, He can do it for you. Amen? No matter how hurt you have been, He can heal your heart this week and cast out 70 times 7 demons out of you. And cause your heart to fall more deeply in love with Him. How many of you would enjoy that? You see, we need to be careful when we talk of faith. Because there's a type of belief that is far from what faith is. In James 2, follow it with me, it says the demons what? Believe and do what? Hear me. Does Satan believe that Saturday's the Sabbath? Does he believe that when you die you don't go to heaven? Does he believe that the law wasn't done away with at the cross? Does he believe there's a heavenly sanctuary where God's been doing something special? Yes. Does he... What else? Does he believe in all 28 of them? Does he? Well, then if he came to one of our evangelistic series, we could baptize him. Are you hearing me? You see, the demons believe and tremble, but with the heart, man believes unto salvation. Do you see the difference? They believe intellectually only. They have no clue of the truth of what is in God's heart towards His created beings. They don't understand that, nor do they believe it. Many of you have expressed three times now tonight that you would like to experience Mary-like faith. Say that with me tonight. Mary-like faith. One more time. Mary-like faith. That's what God wants for you. That's what we're going to encounter this week. Mary-like faith. How do you do it? How do we experience faith like that? Paul tells us in Romans 10:17. pretend like you've never read this before. 
It says faith comes from what? And hearing by the word of. Now understand this word, word, don't get lost. The word, word, got it? Are you with me? Here in the Greek, it's not speaking about the written word. Now isn't it important to spend time with the written word? But notice what it says. It says, so faith comes from what? Reading? Hearing? And hearing the word of what? Of Christ. Be specific. Say no more than what the Scriptures themselves teach. This is not talking about the written Word of God. And please, don't misunderstand. I'm not putting that down. Is the Bible important as a written document? Is it important to spend time with it? Is it the Word of God? Absolutely. But that's not at all what Paul's talking about here. He's not encouraging us to spend more time in Bible study. He's pointing back not to a written Word, but to a spoken Word. Are you with me? Something that's heard. And it was the spoken word of who? When Christ came here, He gave a special message, did He not? And it's through hearing that message that faith is awakened in the human heart. And what is that message? You know, the best way to discover what it was that Jesus taught is to look to His disciples. Do you think they had a clue? Not at first. Do we have a clue? Be honest. None of us do. We're just like them. But there was a time when they did begin to see. And there were some apostles who became extremely eloquent at re-communicating the message that Jesus taught us. One of those who was, I think, the most proficient at it is the Apostle John. And in 1 John 4, 8, he sums up the entire life purpose of Jesus in three words he says this is the message of Christ this is what Jesus came to show us that God is love and those are more than words amen Amen. please don't memorize those words we've all heard that before how many have ever heard that God loves you the rest of you have never heard that Let me introduce you to the concept. God really does. But it's more than just hearing it. What caused those words to awaken in Mary, Mary like faith? She didn't just hear the words, she discovered what those words meant. Amen? And God wants you this week to discover more deeply what those words mean for you that God is love. And that you are the apple of His eye, the Bible says. Upon you are all the affections of His heart set. You are His most treasured possession. He loves you so much so that He would give all, risk all, to save you. We don't understand any of that though. Do you know why we don't, why I know we don't understand that? Because only one person said amen. We don't have any clue what that means. But I want to challenge you this week. Allow God to touch your heart and to teach you the meaning of the love with which you are loved. Amen? You see, only then. Paul teaches us this as well. In Galatians 5, 6. It says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means how much? Can you imagine saying this to a Jew? 
circumcision or uncircumcision, it doesn't mean what? Anything. Can you imagine what the response would have been like? It's like me saying, Sabbath, Sunday, it doesn't matter. Would that evoke a response from folks here tonight? Oh, yeah, it would. But it was just like saying that to a Jew. Circumcision, uncircumcision, it doesn't mean anything. Was Paul doing away with it? Not necessarily. He was saying, listen, even the demons believe which day is the Sabbath. Amen? I mean, come on, did the Jews have the right day? But they crucified Jesus. Is it enough just to know about the right day? No. God wants more for you. Amen? And he said, listen, circumcision or uncircumcision, it doesn't mean anything. What matters is this, that in your heart, there is transpiring this thing called faith. And this faith works by what? By love. Now, William Tyndale, anyone ever heard of him? William Tyndale translated this verse when he wrote his first draft of an English Bible. He looked at Galatians 5, 6, and he says, But faith, check this out, which is set in operation mightily by love. How many of you would like Mary like faith? To be set in motion in you mightily this week by encountering God's love for you. There is so much debate, even among us still, after over a hundred and whatever years. There is still much debate among us as a people today, whether it's by faith or whether it's by works. Have you heard it before? Do you sense it even in our church now? We're still confused about it. Do you realize? I mean, we'll give the right theological answer. But man, when the rubber meets the road and you stop and you don't read the publications, but you listen to the comments in Sabbath school. Do you understand the difference? Do you know what I'm talking about? We still wrestle with it. Which is it? Is it faith? Faith alone? No, no, no. You've got to have works. Faith and works. You've got to have them both. Well, it's, it's faith plus works. No, it's faith which works. And it's, we get this through the whole thing. Which is it? We will never come to an answer as long as we're only looking at faith and works. They will always seem to be opposites until we add the third ingredient that Paul does here. And that's what? Love. God wants to show you what it's really like. Amen? He wants to show you love like you have never encountered before this week. Why? Because He wants you to experience what? Mary, like faith. That's what he wants for you this week. And this is not here. Remember, it's with the heart that man what? Believes. Remember, does it involve the intellect? But picture this. There is a place inside of every single one of you here tonight where your intellect and your emotions, they intersect. Do you know that place? And it is at that intersection where both become intimately entwined. Not just intellect, not just emotions, but where both become wedded together. That is where God waits to meet with every single one of you this week. That's what He wants. Why are we so afraid of Him? You know, it's a sin to remain unimpassioned at the foot of the cross. You know, we're told... 
that when we understand the cross, it'll awaken lively emotions in the Christian's heart. I'm quoting. Isn't that incredible? It will not just leave us in our pew saying, oh, I've never thought of that before. God wants more than that. He wants you to not be understanding what you're doing. He wants you not sitting there saying, well, how much do I have to do and still... You know what I'm talking about? He wants you to be experiencing exactly what Mary did, where you take the sum of your life effort, no matter what it is and no matter how you've come by it, where you give that all to Him and you still feel like that is not enough to say thank you for loving you the way He does. How many would like that? That's faith. That's more than obedience. It's more than mental assent. Faith transpires where, when love, the love of God, touches the heart and sets faith to work. Do you understand the difference? And what will those works look like? For those of you who need me to touch on it, I do want to be balanced. What will it look like? Look at 2 Corinthians five fourteen through 15 It says, for the love of Christ, what does it say? Controls us. That's the experience of faith. Faith is something that transpires in a heart that is controlled by the love of God. Fear of the plagues? Fear of hell, no matter how long it will last. It's where love controls us. And notice how it works. Having concluded this, that one died for how many? That he died for me. And therefore all died. And he died for all. For what? For what purpose? So that those who live would not just live. But would no longer live for who? Themselves but for who? For him who died for them and rose again. Is that what Mary was experiencing? She didn't care about herself anymore. She just wanted to live for him. It was no longer about her. It was all about Jesus. And she wasn't some religious freak. Do you understand what I mean? Does that offend you? Some of you are so afraid of being religious that you won't give God an honest try. God doesn't want to make you weird. Although people who are in love are awfully strange. Have you seen them? He doesn't want to make you a freak. All He wants to do is love you. That's all He wants. Will you let Him? It will change your life. It says on the back, flip over with me. Go to Romans 9 verse 30 as we close. It says, what shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness attained righteousness. What did they not pursue? Isn't that strange? So many of us, as I travel, what are we all trying to attain? We're all trying to do it, aren't we? I mean, be honest. These folks attained it without what? Without trying. How many would like that? Woo! Some of you have tried so hard, you don't have much to try left with. That's bad grammar, but you understand what I mean. 
get excited and the words get out of order. I can't help it. Sorry. Pray for me. But no, in all sincerity, these people, they, they attained righteousness without trying to attain it. Why? It says, even the righteousness which is by what? Faith. faith. Remember, faith goes to what? It works when it's set mightily in operation by what? By love. In other words, if you want to attain righteousness, hear me, stop trying to attain righteousness. And instead, seek to encounter and understand the love that awakens in you Mary-like faith that produces a righteous life. Do you see the difference? He says, but Israel, pursuing a law of righteousness, and all oh, that we would understand what that means because it applies to us especially. They didn't arrive at the law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by what? Don't misunderstand. The reason we're still here. Do you know why we're still here? You understand He could have come ere this. How many know that? The reason we are still here, I am convinced, not in our official publications, but in the lives that we live that produce the comments in Sabbath school. We are still more concerned with how we're living rather than how much God loves us in spite of how we live. Now, is that a dangerous statement? Yes, if you don't understand it. Yeah, it's real dangerous. I'll tell you how dangerous it is. If you could understand it correctly, your life will never be the same. That will unlock such life-changing, incredible power in your life. It will make you a totally different person. Amen? It's that dangerous. It will change you forever. Does that sound good? Yeah, it's good dangerous. How many would like that? Yes. Focus this week. Not, ah, I don't want to be misunderstood. Please don't waste your effort this week focusing on how to get your life together. Will you just let God get your life together? Will you do that? Let Him handle that. He's much better at it than you. He can do it more efficiently. He can do it more perfectly. He can even do it more quickly. Amen? What He wants from you this week is just to pause. Don't stop for one week. Stop trying to attain righteousness. And instead, focus on allowing His love to awaken in you the faith that will produce the righteousness. Oh, that we would have that. Amen? It's not about love, love, love. It's just about love. Amen? And if you have a problem with that, it's not all that foo-foo stuff, as some people call it. the most powerful substance in the universe. It is the most incredible thing I myself have ever encountered in my life. And I will live the rest of my days, God willing, and with my cooperation, I will live the rest of my days trying to help others experience this kind of love. Because this love 
If you have a problem with love, it's not me or love that you have a problem with. You have a problem with the very God of this universe because God is love. Do you understand that? It is not what He does. It is the sum total of what He is and what He feels towards you. And He wants you to know that so intimately. That's all He cares about is that you would know the love with which we are loved. That is why Paul cried out in Ephesians 3, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your what? Your heads? Your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to... What's that word? So does it involve the intellect? But where does He want it to end up? In your heart. That you would comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and depth, and to know the way that Adam knew Eve. To know the love of Christ, which, what does it do? It surpasses what you comprehend or don't comprehend. That you may be filled up to all the fullness of what? Do the, what is God? That you would be filled with all of it. Is that what Mary experienced? Beloved, let us love one another. Why? That's what comes from God. This love stuff, that's from Him. And if we're focused on it more now in our history as a church than we've ever been before, it is only because the miracle of His grace is finally sinking in. Amen? We are not apostatizing. We are getting closer to home. We are going to turn the corner. And we, when we come back to the borders of Canaan this time, we're going to go in. Amen? History will not be repeated. It will be different. Why? Everyone who loves is born of what? And what does it say? Knows God. The one who does not love, why does he not love? Why? For God is what? That's the result. That's what it will look like when this love takes place. It's interesting about Mary. Out of all the disciples, the apostles, all the followers of Jesus. Which one did Jesus single out after His resurrection to hold His first encounter with again? How many would like to just be like Mary? Oh, that you this week would allow Him to teach you what His love is all about. Amen? Are you willing? How many would say tonight, Lord, I'm willing. Lord, I want to be different. Lord, I want to experience what Mary experienced in her heart. I want to experience it in my heart for you. How many want to say that to the Lord tonight? And so I want to encourage you, do not miss one meeting. Amen? We are going to take a steady glance, not even on how to have Mary-like faith. Are you with me? Because even that's looking at our own what? Yeah, what we need to do. 
We're not even going to be looking at that. We're going to be looking at that which produces Mary-like faith. And what is that? The truth about our Heavenly Father. Amen? If we can catch a glimpse of that, if we can just see what Mary saw, then in our hearts there will be residence like what was in hers. Amen? That's what we need. God bless you. Thank you for having me back this year. I am so looking forward to what God is going to do in each of your lives this week. Let's close with prayer. Precious Heavenly Father, tonight as we end, Father, we have had such a history as a people. But Lord, I want to thank you for where we are tonight. Father, you are doing incredible things in the lives of every single person here tonight. And I know Satan's at work too. But my prayer, Father, is that you will win the day this week. That you will win in that struggle. That your love will conquer. That light will conquer darkness. That truth will triumph over fear. And that, Father, our hearts will be changed, touched and changed to love you, to feel things towards you, for us to even think thoughts towards you that we have never felt or thought before. I still hold the hope that you want to perfect your image in us, that image of love. But Father, I know that can only happen if we encounter that love as it really is. And so tonight, Lord, in a special way, I give you this week. I ask you, Father, to set every agency of heaven in motion. Father, for your sake, that in our hearts, wrong pictures of you would be corrected, that you would be vindicated in our understandings, and that, Father, love, that your love would awaken that sleeping giant of faith in each one of us. Father, touch us, Lord, change us, save us in spite of ourselves. In your precious name we pray.